I'm Ron Sebesta. I'm the pastor here when Nina's not here. Uh, uh, today was actually, you know, once a month we do um, kind of like an event for the children's church. Uh, last month we had uh, Batman and Spider-Man show up. Before that, I think we had a fireman show up. Today was uh, because it's rodeo, uh, rodeo time in Santa Fe. We had some cowboys show up. So, uh, uh, your kids got to see the horses and, you know, uh, got to hopefully touch up, pet them, and uh, I think they were able to take some photos as well. I tell you what, while I'm getting set up here for just a second, why don't you just take a moment and welcome one another, greet one another, welcome one another to the light, and then we'll get on with the message. Hey, bub. I love you. Okay, if you will, please find your seats. I want to pray. I want to thank our worship team again. You guys did an awesome job today. Great job. Join me for a second. Our Heavenly Father, we welcome you in this place. We invite you, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and overshadow us, that you give us ears to hear and understanding heart, Father, uh, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church. Uh, to us as a state, as a nation, but uh, more importantly, Father, what your Holy Spirit is saying to us individually, Lord. We know that you are a God who doesn't change, and yet you want your people to change. You said that I am the Lord God, I change not in the book of Malachi. You said that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever in the book of Hebrews. But your word says that Jesus came to set the captive free. And as we talk about freedom this morning, as we talk about the battles of life, as we talk about overcoming today, God, I pray that Lord, they just wouldn't be empty words. We pray that there would be a power and an anointing of your Holy Spirit to accompany the word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so guys, I want to, uh, as I said, I want to talk to you about uh, a freedom this morning. I want to talk to you about, you know, that life is a fight. Life is a battle. No matter where you are or who you are, 
There are going to be times in your life when you have to fight, when their battles are going to come. As we look through the, the Old Testament, New Testament, every great story is there because somebody was victorious. And I want to read several of those stories to you. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. So my you know, uh, tip this morning is for you to hear the Word of God, that, that faith would come and stir something up within you and say that you would say you know, within yourself that enough is enough. I'm tired of battling this thing over and over and over again. And, you know, some of you know my past. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hello, my name is Ron. I'm a drug addict. I'm not a drug addict. I used to be a drug addict. But Christ set me free. And, and I want to just tell you that whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through today, whatever your problems are today, God has called us to be winners. He didn't call us to be losers. He didn't call us to, to be defeated. He, Deuteronomy chapter 28, guys, it's one of my most favorite verses in all of the Bible. If you just write it down, you can read it later. But it says that God has called you to be the head and not the tail. He's called you to be the lender and not the borrower. He's called you to rule over many and not be ruled over. And I believe that that word of God is true today just like it was thousands of years ago when it was given to Moses. Moses to write under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to pick up in Genesis. I want to start with uh, Jacob. And so Jacob, you know, uh, he's called the deceivers. If we, were to, if we were to use word association, I say a name, and what's the first word that comes to your mind? You might think deceiver with Jacob, but I want to tell you that, you know, after reading the word, you know, the Bible says that... Uh, he, you know, I'm not sure that he was a deceiver. Uh, the, you know, he was uh, tw one of a set of twins. His brother's name was Esau. I've said this before, and it's probably so old you're tired of hearing it. They were twins. They were womb mates, okay? Uh, um, so, anyway, but Esau was the firstborn. I mean, he's the first one that came out. And so as the firstborn, he had all the rights. He had all the privileges. But one day when he was out hunting and he came back, he felt like he was starving. He thought he was going to die. By the way, you know, some of you may be feeling that way next week if you don't sign up for a volunteer uh, list to help cook. I promise you we will have food. It might be gourmet peanut butter and jelly, but we will have food. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, uh, I know that Elizabeth has signed up and Cheryl has signed up and uh, they need some help. So if you would, uh, like uh, James said, see Nina afterwards. But anyway, so Jacob, you know, receives the blessing from his father and Esau is so upset, he's so mad that he wants to kill him and Jacob leaves home. And he gets to a place, he's going to his father-in-law's uh, land, Laban, and uh, many, many miles he's taken this journey and he says at one point, you know, all I have is this staff in my hand. And he goes away and, you know, it's like life is just dealing him blow after blow after blow. Uh, Jacob, uh, or Laban says to Jacob, he says, you know, I will give you my youngest daughter for seven years of hard labor. And, uh, and Jacob signs on, you know, you know, make it 14, make it 15, make it 20, 30 years. I love her so much, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give my life for her. That's the way it should be with our men, men and our wives, right? That we would do anything for them. 
And Jacob said, what seven years is to nothing? I'll do it. And so uh, at the end of seven years, Laban gets him drunk, puts him uh, in a tent, sends his wife in after him. The next morning he wakes up, and it's not Leah, or it is Leah. It's not Rachel, the one that he loved. And he's like, what would you do to me? And Laban says, it's our custom that the oldest daughter has to go first. So give me another seven years, and, you know, I will give you uh, Rachel. So he works another seven years, and all in all, he works about 20 years. But at some point, God is blessing him so much. Remember, all he left with was with the staff. And, and Jacob, or Laban paid Jacob with sheep. And he made a deal with him. He said, I'll give you all the spotted sheep. And I'll keep all the solid-colored sheep. And when Laban saw the sheep were spotted, he changed it. He said, no, I'll take the spotted now. You take the solid. Then all of a sudden, all the sheep were solid. And it's just like no matter what Laban tried to do to Jacob, God always was watching over him. But it was time for him to come back, and I want to pick up with him coming back. Uh, he's coming back to his homeland. Remember the land where... Uh, his uh, brother lived, the brother that wanted to kill him. And uh, just before I start reading that, I just want to read uh, a commitment, a vow that uh, Jacob made before the Lord. And he says, God, if you will be with me, and if you will keep me in the way that I'm going, give me bread to eat and clothes to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall give, be my God. So... Certainly part of that had come true. I mean, he's coming back a, not just a wealthy man, but a very, very, very wealthy man. If you look what he gave away, if you look at the, the camel and the sheep and the goats and the, you know, the, the burros that he gave to his bro brother, he sent them on ahead, he gave them to his brother. So God had given him everything that he asked for, but he's walking back into the enemy's camp, so to speak. And the one thing that he doesn't have that he asked for, remember, he says that if you will give me, God, if you will give me, if you will give me bread to eat, clothes to wear, so that I come back to my father's house in peace. He had everything except for the peace. And now the word is Esau, his brother, that he cheated or at least Esau thought that, Jacob's servants are saying, Esau's coming, and dude, he's bringing 400 men with him. And so Jacob is concerned. He's worried. He's got everything that he asked for. He's got the clothing. He's got, you know, he's got wives. He's got children. He's got food to eat. He's got wealth. But the one thing that he asked for that he doesn't have yet is peace with his brother. And it says in, I pick up Genesis 32, during the night, Jacob got up, with, took his two wives, two servant wives, and the 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And the man came to him and wrestled with him until dawn. This man was an angel. It was an angel of God. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. And the man said to Jacob, Let me go, for dawn is breaking. And Jacob said, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. That's the tenacity that you have to have as a believer. If you want to be successful in this life, you want to be an overcomer in this life, you want to be a winner in this life, you have got to cling to it, just like Jacob did. And Jacob said, I will not let you go 
What did he say next? He says, I will not let you go unless you, what? Give me more gold? Give me more silver? Give me more children? Give me more land? Give me more food? No. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And then the angel said to him, what is your name? And the man asked, and he, uh, he, uh, or the man asked, and he replied, Jacob. And uh, your name will no longer be called Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel. Because you have, listen to this, because you have fought, you have fought with God. And you have fought with men. And you have won. And that's the kind of heart that God wants us to have today. I mean, God did not create you to be a loser. God did not create you to be a failure in life. You being a loser, you being a failure, you being in bondage does not bring glory to God. It's when you are set free that God gets the glory. Amen? That's a good time to say amen. All right. All right, let me move on. I'm talking about just great men in the Bible, why they are great. And so we move on to David, the Philistine. This is the, talking about the giant. With a shield bearer in front of him, came closer and closer to David. And he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome, he despised him. And David said, am I a dog? Or he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine, listen to this, because this is so good. And I bet some of you haven't even picked this up yet. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh... The Philistine giant said to David, I will give you solo. I will give you, I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now listen. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, and this day... God will deliver you in, uh, into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and this very day, listen to this, notice the giant said, you and you alone, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to give your flesh to the animals and to the birds of the air. Notice what David said. He says, as his, the Lord says, this day I will strike you down, I will cut off your head and this day I will give the carcasses of the entire Philistine army. I mean, really? Little boy, big giant. All right? He said, no, you're not going to kill me. You're not going to kill me and feed my... He says, I'm not only going to kill you, we're going to take out your entire army. Okay? The reason that we love this story, the reason that we love stories like this, you guys know the end of the story. I want to move on. David was an overcomer. He was a winner. That's why we love the story. We love winners. And we want to be on the side of the winning team. All right? That's why when you're a Miami fan, sorry, Tim, that, you know, <laughs> or a Cowboy fan, uh, sorry to the rest of you. Rest of, sorry to the whole rest of the congregation. <laughs> no, uh, that's because after your team loses... Then you start rooting, really, for the team. They all become Patriot fans, right? And so after your team loses, <laughs> all right, all right. It's almost here. One more month, guys. We'll really be kicking up then. All right. So I want to move on to Caleb. 
Great story. You know, Caleb was one of the two men that, that went into the promised land with the 12 spies. He was one of the two men that came back and said, you know what, the, the other 10 were saying, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. There are giants in this land. And the land is beautiful, just like you said that it was. I mean, we love the land, milk and honey, big fruit. Everything is good in the land. Uh, but Caleb came back. The 10 said, man, you know, it's, it's like you said, God, or, and he's saying that to Moses, but he said, we can't do it. They're too big. They, we're outnumbered. We're, they're too big for us. But Caleb says, guys, get dressed. Put your swords on right now. Let's go because God is with us. Everybody say that. God is with us. All right? I want you to know, while you're saying it, it's true. God is with us. All right? And so Caleb is saying, let's go right now, man. Why the delay? And because the ten talked, you know, the rest of the children of Israel out of going, you know the story, they marched around the wilderness. But I want to pick up a little bit later in Caleb's life, because you remember that there, uh, all of those that were 20 years and older, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. They weren't able to go into the promised land. But when they do go into the promised land, it says Joshua and Caleb were having this conversation and Caleb says, you know the word that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Uh, that, was four, that was 40 years old, or I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought back the word to him that was in my heart. Nevertheless, uh, my brethren who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore to me on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word of Moses while Israel was wandering in the wilderness. And now, here I am, 85 years old. He's talking to, to Joshua. He says, here I am, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength once was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord has said in that day, for you have heard that the giants were there. You know what I love about this story? Here is, the guy is 85 years old. He's saying, I'm just as strong today as I was 40 years ago, you know, when, or 45 years ago when we came in this land. He said, let me go. Let me go. And I know that there are giants in this land. It's one thing, listen to this, it is one thing for young David to go out when the giant shows up. It's one thing for you to, to show up when the giant shows up knocking on your door. What is that? I mean, you know, a debt, a bad doctor's report, uh, you know, trouble at the office. You just got the pink slip. You know, you're going to be fired. You're going to be transferred. You know, all of those things. Those giants are facing you. And it's one thing to go out and do battle with the giant when the giant shows up. It's another thing, like Caleb said, you know what? I know there's giants in the land. Let me go. Let me go get him. Let me go. Is that in your heart? 
Is that in your heart today? I'm not waiting for the giant to show up on my doorstep. You know what? If I even hear him breathe, I hear him say a word. If I hear him come against my children or my grandchildren or my business or my health or my family, I'm not waiting for him to show up. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to go get him just like David did. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God. Amen? Right, let's go get him, guys. Let's go get that. All right, let me move on. Anybody hearing this today? All right. All right, I got half of you hearing it over here. All right, I'm going to talk to the rest of you over here. Okay, I want to talk to you about the three Hebrew children. Nebuchadnezzar made a mighty statue. He says, if you don't bow down and worship the statue, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And there were some children there. There were some men in the kingdom, in the Babylonian kingdom, that weren't fond of the Jews. You know, the Jews have a history of not being fond of. We call it anti-Semitism today. It still exists. But God says that Israel is still the apple of his eye. He still loves the nation Israel. They are still his chosen people. I don't care what the United Nations says. I don't care what our president says. He better be careful. Those that speak a word against Israel are bringing and speaking a curse upon themselves. Because God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. And so there were those that were speaking against the children of Israel, and they were looking for them to make a, a mistake. They were looking for a fault. And uh, so King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, uh, there were some that came and said, you know what, uh, there, there, are three Jew, there are three Hebrew children that won't bow down to your God. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, what, what, who are they? Bring them up here. And so it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, I'm going to give you another chance. You can bow down and worship right now, or I'll throw you into the fiery furnace. And they're like, King, do whatever you got to do. You know, we respect you. We respect Babylon, the people here. We love people. We're not about cursing and bashing people. He said, but there's no way we're bound down to you or to your statue. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, tie them up, put them in the furnace. And so that's what happened. Uh, so it says that Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet in amazement and asks his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, look, look. He said, I see four men. I see four men. And they're walking around in the fire, and they're not bound, and the fire's not doing anything to them. They were overcomers. The reason we love this story is because they wouldn't bow down. They were winners. They were overcomers. God called them to be overcomers. And because they were overcomers, listen to what verse 29 says. I'm going to skip some of this. It's a great story. Go back and read it. It's in Daniel chapter 3. He says, the king, the king that's worshiping all of these idols, all of these foreign gods, the king that just said, throw them in because they worship, won't worship me. He says in verse 29, I make a decree. Can I have everybody's attention? He's talking to, you know, all, everybody that's there, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. I make a decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses will be turned into rubble for there is no other God that can save this way. Amen? 
Look at the glory that they brought to God because they wouldn't bow down and because they were overcomers and because they were winners. That's what God is looking for in you. You know what? It's great to read these stories. But you know what? I, I believe that God just didn't write this so that we could read it and say, man, that was a great story. Love that story about David. Love that story about Daniel, which we're getting ready to read right now. Daniel and the lion's den. Same group of men came to King Darius, or Darius and said to him, he said, remember your majesty that you made this decree that no one can pray to any other god. You guys know the story. But Daniel, he went to his window. He didn't care what the law says. It was kind of like, you know, uh, Peter and James and John, where the religious leader says, don't speak this name again. Don't preach this name. Don't talk about this name, Jesus. You turned all of Jerusalem upside down. You're intending to bring this man's blood upon us. Uh, they just forgot that they had said just a couple of weeks earlier, let this man's blood be on us and on our children, and his blood is upon them and their children, the blood of forgiveness or the blood of condemnation. It was their choice. And so, but Daniel went to his window and prayed, and they went back, the same group of men that were against the Jew told the king. The king said, uh, uh, you know, the king actually loved da uh, Daniel, and he uh, he put him in the lion's den. The king really didn't want to do it. But it says, he says, uh, Daniel, the king goes back the next morning. He said he didn't sleep all night. But uh, we're reading in verse 20. Daniel, servant of the most living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel cried out, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels and he shut them out to the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the lion's den. And when Daniel had, was lifted from the den with no wound found on him because he had trusted in the living God. And then the king's command, somebody said, well, the lions just weren't hungry. Well, he threw all of those men that accused Daniel and their families, their wives, and their children into the lion's den. And it says that the lions attacked and devoured them before they even hit the ground. Uh, all of a sudden, they became not hungry to hungry, and really hungry. David, or Daniel, was an overcomer. So we look in uh, 1 John. I want to just move to the New Testament for a second. 1 John chapter 5. And in 1 John chapter 5, it says, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, those two words are synonymous, loving God and keeping his word or keeping his commandments. It says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome or grievous. They're not hard for us. Why? Because we have strength? No, because he's given us the Holy Spirit. We understand that God didn't give you the Holy Spirit. You need to understand this. Because you're holy, he gives you the Holy Spirit to make you holy, to do the things that you want to do. Remember Paul saying in Romans chapter 7 that the things that I want to do, the things that I desire to do, I end up not doing, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me? And the answer is God and the power of the Holy Spirit. He, the, he is the Savior then, and he, was the, and he is the Savior today. He says, but moving on, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whosoever is born of God 
overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Two words that I want you to remember. Being an overcomer and being victorious. Okay, whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so God has called you and I to be victorious. Now, the Greek word for both overcomer and the word for victory, get this, the word for the Greek word for overcomer is nikeo, and uh, it means to overcome, to conquer, and to prevail. That's what God wants us to do, that you and I are overcomers. And the word victory comes from the Greek word, guess what? Anybody know what it is? Nike. Nike. It's on the, you know, the little check mark on the side of the shoe. Nike. It's a Greek word that means a winner that you're a winner, that God wants you to win, God wants you to be successful, God wants you to prevail in everything that you set your heart and your mind to do. Why? Is it all about you? No. It's all about Him. Because when you are successful, and when you are a winner, and when you do prevail, it gives you the opportunity to say, I didn't do this in my own strength. I wasn't successful in my business in my own strength. I didn't achieve this education in my own strength. It was the help of God. You know, can I tell you about this God? Can I tell you about this God that I know? Can I tell you about this helper God that I know? Can I tell you about this God that wants to help you win and be victorious and be successful? Can, can I have a moment of your time? Let me tell you what he's done for me in my life. And as we move on and wrapping this up, you know, the Bible talks a lot about being an overcomer. In fact, there are seven churches mentioned in two chapters in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And he says, God says to every one of them, I want you to be an overcomer. He says it. These are some of the last words of Jesus. Jesus is saying to seven churches, I want you to win. I want you to be successful. I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to prevail. I want you to conquer. I want you to be victorious. You guys hearing me? Man, come on. Come on. Let's give God a shout of praise. I mean, he is worthy of our praise. All right. Uh, Revelation 2, 7. To him that overcomes, I will give uh, to, uh, to him to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. 2, 11. He that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. 2, 17. To him that overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. He goes on to say, a new name as well. Uh, Revelation 2, 26. And to him that overcomes and keeps my word or word, until the end, to him I will give the power over the nation. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white, with a white garment, and I will blot, not blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels as well. 3, 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out, uh, go, he shall go out no more. He shall go out no more. He that is an overcomer, I will make him a pillar in my temple. Revelation 3.24. To him that overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame. 
See, that's what he's saying. I want you to be like I was and I am. When I overcame death, when I overcame the grave, when I had this resurrected power in my life, he says, I want you to live victorious lives just like that. Not just when you die, not just when you die and you're resurrected and go to heaven. I want you to live on a daily basis as an overcomer. And then finally, he says, right at the end of the book, chapter 21, he that overcomes shall inherit all things, all things. I will be as God and he will be my son. But to the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderer and the sexually immoral, the sorcerers and idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know what's interesting about that last sentence is the way it starts out. Yeah, he talks about unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. But the first word that he says is the cowardly. The cowardly, those that are cowards. Guys, I want to tell you that every one of us has been in that place where we had a chance to share Jesus with somebody, but we were afraid. And we didn't do it. We had an opportunity, and we let it pass. I've been there, and you've been there as well. But God's saying, you know what? He says, this is what he said to, to Joshua. He says, when Joshua is getting ready to cross over, he hadn't gone into the promised land. You can read this in Joshua chapter 1. He's getting ready to cross into the promised land. He said, Joshua, be bold, be strong, be courageous, because the Lord, your God, is with you. That's what I say to you. Be bold, be strong, be courageous, because there is no force on heaven in heaven or on earth, they can stop you. No, demo- no demonic force. The powers of hell can't stop you. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. God's saying, I want you to win. I want, I want you to win. I want you to prevail. I want you to be successful. I want you to conquer. I want you to, to, I want you to light up the world with my name. All for the glory of my name. It's not about you. Daniel didn't come out of that lion's den and, you know, pat his chest. Caleb didn't pat his chest. David didn't beat his chest and, you know, flex his muscles. He gave glory to God. And when we win, when we're victorious, we are to do the same thing. Let's give God glory right now. Come on, church, stand to your feet. Stand up, stand up. Let's give him glory. Let's give him praise. He is worthy. Amen. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I want to tell you that in God's eyes, the devil will tell you everything negative, but in God's eyes, you are a winner. You are a prevailer. You are victorious. You are a conqueror in the eyes of God. Now, when you leave this place, go out and act like it. Act like it. Amen. All right, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, and may the Lord give you the power and peace 
and understanding to understand and know that you are a winner and you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Love you.